Welcome in to a Monday morning edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. We are excited today to be joined by Nick Engstad, our boss and the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, to do a little retrospective, Alex, on the Kristaps Porzingis trade. I tried to be objective about it. I, I tried to ask him some fair questions, but Alex, this was this was borderline voyeuristic for you. You 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 enjoyed torturing Nick a little bit about the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Yeah, it was fun getting to take a victory lap on the trade. Uh, you know, maybe Nick doesn't feel quite that way. But we talked about some interesting stuff. We talked about where Porzingis is at these days, uh, the concerns with him, which, you know, spoiler alert, it's defense, which would not work well on the current Knicks. So maybe it's a good thing he's not here at this moment. Uh, talked about, you know, how we feel about the returns for both teams. And more importantly, towards the end, address if we would still do the Porzingis trade over again today just over two years later. And I won't spoil what the results are, but I think especially Gavin's answer, if you're a, if you're a fan of Locked On Knicks history, might surprise you. So tune in to Locked On Knicks next. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Knicks. I'm Gavin Shaw, your host, a play-by-play broadcaster in normal times, in pandemic times, merely a podcast talker. And I'm joined by Alex Wolf, the legendary editor-in-chief of the best Knicks website on the internet, The Strickland, and we have a very special guest today. It's Nick Angstead, the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. He is also our boss at Locked On NBA Pods. The channel coordinator does a great job with that. And he runs all of the social media for the Locked On NBA side and the Locked On Podcast Network side. Also, Nick, I'm seeing on your Twitter account right now, you're an Ahsoka and Zuko fan. I'm also a Zuko fan. I like mm. Ahsoka. I have yet to watch Clone Wars, but I really want her because of very how, Star Wars. Okay, then how are you an Ahsoka fan? That's my question. Uh, from The Mandalorian. She was in an oh, episode. Oh, just, just, yeah. That from was one episode. She, she was great. She was great. It was she, a great she one killed episode. It. She killed I, it. I don't I don't need a lot to become a fan. You you take down a warlord in like a dystopian <laughs> future, and that's that's enough for me. <laughs> that usually, can, that can be enough for anybody. I uh, highly recommend Clone Wars. There's, there's. Lots of filler episodes. However, it's worth it to get to the end. The Clone Wars finale that came out, it, it runs parallel to Order 66. It's uh, it's incredible. So I, I actually I, just I, finished. Can can testify. Clone Wars is amazing. amazing. I just watched you'd, the whole series. You'd never guess. <laughs> yeah, I only skipped one mini arc. There was this little R2-D2 droid thing. I skipped it because there was Darth Maul stuff going the one, on. The one where so. you realize Jar Jar Binks has sex? Oh yeah, I think no, no, wait, no, it wasn't even that one. It was a different one. All right, but we, we, we would have to wrap episode. up the show there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Jar- that was <laughs> all right. Jar Jar uh, Binks. There's a whole arc where Jar Jar Binks has a girlfriend, and you're like, "Holy cow!" 
Like, wow. Like Jar Jar F's. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a, nominally, we did we did break on Nick to talk about Jar Jar Binks' sex life, but also to it do was... a belated uh, retrospective on the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. A uh, little two years and I guess two and a half weeks ago at this point. I remember I remember the date. We should have had you on then. Poor planning on my part. Um, but happy to have you on now, Nick. And I'll, I'll just throw it directly to you. Uh, what is your uh, your big picture review of, of getting Chris Tapps Porzingis a trade that in the moment was obviously considered a massive, massive win for the Mavericks? Uh, people like me were flipping out on the Knicks side. People like Alex were a little bit more reasonable. And people on Alex's side are looking a little better for it now because <laughs> as time goes by, this trade has looked increasingly better and better for the Knicks. But I'm curious, Nick, because it's not like it's not like it's been all bad with Chris Tapps Porzingis. Yeah, my plan was just to distract you with Star Wars takes until, until <laughs> yeah, got, you, you thought you could get 27 minutes out of that, <laughs> so and, and then like get on us and be like, guys, technically I am the channel coordinator on a podcast. I'm on. You can't go over 30 minutes. I'm really sorry. We got it. We got to talk about it a different time. Uh, abolish the filibuster. Yeah. Um, so the Kristaps Porzingis trade, like it, it was, it was a big risk for the Mavericks when they took it. However, the assets they gave up, I don't know if it was that big of a risk. The only big risk that I think you take is is the draft picks. I don't think the Mavericks are getting anything good with those draft picks. I don't think they're going to be top 10, which is what if they, if they're top 10, the Mavs keep them. So that's, that's the only area I think that they would actually get something good. They had the 18th pick in a draft this year and totally screwed it up and picked Josh green. At least so far they screwed it up. City. Nick, may I, off. may I just remind you real it's quick? It's going off. Go ahead. May I just remind you real quick? This year's pick is unprotected. So if it ends up number one oh. and the Knicks get Kate Cunningham, it's all the Knicks. Yeah, this this year, correct. Yeah, you're you're totally right about that. The future the future ones are the ones I'm I guess more worried about than this one. I'm not super worried about about this pick. I think that the Mavericks they're not doing anything with the rookies they have now, um, and so I'm not worried about another rookie coming into this team. I'm kind of worried about right now. So anyway, with with Chris Ops Porzingis, obviously all you Knicks fans know <laughs> the shortcomings that Porzingis brings, and you're starting to see it um, more and more with the Mavericks. You're starting to see that he's particular about certain things this year. He's been particular about certain like minutes and when he wants to play those minutes and all kinds of stuff like that. And the Mavericks are kind of, they're playing along with it. They're giving it, they're giving him what he wants. And then he won't, he won't deliver. Right. So we're like, all right, man, you got to start delivering. If you're going to start making demands like this and be a star player, get the max contract and all kinds of stuff like that. So there's definitely some disappointment right now, and the, the you're starting to see parts of the risk of giving him that big deal, making the big trade. But it's a risk I'm worth taking, like like totally worth it. It would be way worse if like Tim Hardaway Jr. was a non-player and that he couldn't play at all, but he's been actually really good for them um, at times. And so that contract, you're like, oh man, 18 million for Tim Hardaway. It sounds like a lot, but at least every other night he's putting up 20 for you. So you're okay with that. The draft picks, not super worried about this year. Yeah, you might lose some sleep over that one, but I don't think too much. The Mavericks are just getting over the hump with some of their COVID injuries and all kinds of stuff like that. You can tell I'm processing this in real time. I haven't really thought about (laughs) this trade, but Porzingis, it, it was a risk worth taking, I think, still. Mavericks are still trying to figure exactly out how to use him uh, and him how to get how to become like a star player. It feels like it feels like he he wants to be a star player, thinks he's a star player, but doesn't know how to do that just yet. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure this is nothing new to Knicks fans, but that's what the Mavericks are figuring out right now. Some nights he looks incredible. Some nights he looks like he's just completely out there. The weird thing this year and the difference between this year and last year has been he's just go completely terrible on defense this year. 
And that was not the case last year. Last year, he was at least a, a decent defensive player. You could, you know, he, he'd struggle against guards in the pick and roll, but lots of centers do that too. But he would at least defend the rim and all that. This year, after coming back from another surgery, he just looks completely lost on defense. And it's just really killing the Mavericks right now. So that's the big thing as far as the, the Mavericks right now. But the trade overall, you take that risk. Not worried about the draft picks. Dennis Smith Jr. got sent off to the Pistons. Um, you know, the guys at the, Ma- the Mavericks got back to take salary relief. Uh, the Knicks did a lot of good stuff with that salary relief, I'm heard, I heard. Uh, I heard that they got a lot of good players with that. So I guess that was good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, I think that's the part of the trade that, you know, people were clowning at the time, and especially after Durant didn't come to New York and all that. Like, that was kind of the part that it was like, oh, the Knicks traded Porzingis for cap space and didn't end up with anybody or anything. And it's like, I think that's the part to me that where I'm like, based off how Porzingis is playing, I don't think he's worth his contract. I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's worth 30 plus million dollars over five years, the way that he plays currently. And so I feel good about not having that on the books because that would have been, I mean, the Knicks would have had to pay him that. And uh, allegedly one of the big reasons that he wanted to be traded was because the Knicks were already sort of planning the bug of like, and granted this is under a different regime, but I'd imagine the current regime would have had the same stance of like, we're not going to give you 150 million guaranteed dollars for suspect health and suspect play and everything else. Uh, you know, we're not going to like fully guarantee this. Like you're, we're going to need like injury assurances and stuff. And he didn't seem too happy with that, which is why he ultimately got traded to the Mavs in like a heartbeat. Um, but Nick, I'm kind of curious, like before we, you know, just to wrap up this little discussion on like Porzingis himself, just I'd be lying if I said that I watch a ton of Mavs basketball. I watch fourth quarter sometimes when I see if they're losing horribly just for the entertainment <laughs> value. Um, but what is the overall, you know, you mentioned that he hasn't been as good on defense. Do you think that that's just because his surgery last year was a partial meniscus tear, right? Yeah, which yeah, meniscus, which he was playing not through a, during the playoffs. It wasn't like, yeah. And that's not, well, no, he didn't play through it during the playoffs. He played in the bubble, right? Cause he was out the whole no, he, playoff he, series. Wasn't no, he? he played in the playoffs. I remember him being out. No, because he, got, oh, he, he got, got he got hurt like midway. He played the first two games against the Clippers, right? And then he got hurt. I, I oh, think and he, then, I, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go look at, look it up now. But I'm pretty sure he played the first three because I remember it was game two where he was uh, – he got up into it with uh, – he got ejected and got up into it with Marcus uh, Morris. So. Oh, yeah. Marcus Morris, another Nick hero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's your overall – actually, you know, we could probably save this for, for the next segment, but just something to chew on for a moment. Like, do you think that the injuries have sort of sapped him of his agility? Which you want me to tell to you be- he's washed? Yeah, basically. That's basically <laughs> what I'm baiting you towards. And me. we'll do that after the break. Because we got to <laughs> tell people about betonline.ag, Alex. BetOnline <laughs> is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet on Chris Stapp's Porzingis being washed during the game. I'm not sure <laughs> if they actually have that, but maybe they should. Hopefully you're listening Bet online. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON. 
All right, and we're back to Locked On Knicks. But, of course, we have you covered with everything you need to know about the Knicks. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Nick, uh, do you think that – do you think – Peter talked about the Mavs loss to the Blazers last Ooh, I, night. I do not believe so. He would have asked if he if they asked about that or if they talked about it, they would have brought one of us on. Probably nah, yeah, prob- that's a good point. Probably you guys, but <laughs> or Mike Richmond. Probably probably Mike Richmond, the team that actually won. I don't think yeah. I don't think everyone cares about this trade as much as we do, but Yeah, that's true. Alex and Kevin, what do you guys think about the, the latest Mavs loss? <laughs> <laughs> And then that we speak be, strictly. We speak strictly in Kate Cunningham gifts. And that's that would it. be like bringing on like a Celtics fan or a Celtics host, like Corrales, to talk about the Nets when they when they had all their picks back in the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, anyway, the the question that we left off on at the end of the last segment was: Do you think that the injuries have sapped Porzingis of some of his agility and and athleticism? Sort of that used to be. I mean, that was kind of the hallmark of his time with the Knicks was that he was super lengthy, like was able to, you know, block shots all over the place. He even was to some degree laterally quick enough to defend the perimeter, at least against, you know, like fours and fives. Um, and, and, you know, generally just had a really good sense of rim protection and everything like that. Uh, although even back in his Knicks days had a little bit of a reluctance to strictly play the five, which I understand is kind of a thing in Dallas as well. But, you know, what do you think, has overall led to that decline on the defensive end, which I would say arguably used to be a signature signature side of the ball with the Knicks, even more so than his his offensive talents. See, that's what I thought. Like when they made the trade, I kept hearing people like, um, uh, like like uh, I kept hearing people like, um, oh, what's the guy? Who's the guy on first take? Oh my gosh, what's Stephen A. Smith. No, the other the white guy, uh, uh, Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman, sorry. So I kept hearing guys like Max Kellerman call him a defensive monster, right? They'd be like, I'm a Knicks fan, and I know that this guy is incredible. He's even better on defense. And I was like, man, interesting. Uh, Didn't see that as much with the Mavericks. And you guys said that he was reluctant to play the five with the Knicks, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's what I thought. But this year's, and so far in his career with the Mavericks, he wants to play the five because it's probably because the way the Mavericks view their system and how they how they run that and so he wants to play the five now and so that's kind of the those are kind of the big differences as far as like are his injuries making him you know sapping him of all his athletic ability is he washed all that kind of stuff if you want to just get straight into it he definitely looks like he can't move as well this year and i think it's a combination of a couple things maybe the injuries are catching up to him but i think it's more so a case of they thought the season was going to start later. They thought it was going to start January, February. And so they put, put off his, his surgery a little bit. We had a, we had a doctor on to talk about his surgery and a meniscus surgery and exactly what it means. There's a certain level where you can wait a certain amount of time with a meniscus tear where it can heal. And if you wait that certain amount of time and you can, you can see the progression of it healing, then you don't have to do surgery. And so they waited a, a lot of time to see if they could just, wait it out and watch him and let him heal instead of doing the surgery. Cause there's other things that, that go into surgery and, you know, other time and rehab and stuff like that. And so they waited on that and made that decision. And so he came back and so he was supposed to be able to start the season, but then the season started earlier than they thought it changed really quick. You guys remember when the season was supposed to start 
you know, like January. And then all of a sudden they're like, actually we want Christmas. And they're like, okay, well let's, let's go ahead and get Christmas day and start there. And so that's why he missed nine games to start the season. And so I don't think he was fully ready to come back. They even waited a little bit longer to bring him back. He, he said, even with the surgery and all that, he could start the season. He said he was ready, but they kept him out a while. And I think it was because of conditioning. I think it was because of um, just the way he was moving just didn't look like he was fully back yet. And so I think it's a combination of those two things. Maybe some of the injury stuff is, is holding him back. You're not going to know that for sure until you get like his full medicals and all that, which I don't think they're going to give us. They might, but (laughs) unless unless they're trying to trade him, but yeah, I, I think that there's, I think it's more so the fact that he wasn't ready to start the season. Now we're a decent amount of the season in how many games has he played this year? Like 16 or something. So, uh, 17, so he should be back by now and ready. It's it's a big, big concerning thing, but he, just on defense, he doesn't look like he can move, right? Like it's, it, his, his feet just get stuck in quicksand. It seems like uh, he got completely, you know, blown by by Lillard a bunch of times last night, which is normal. But then even when he's coming from behind to try and chase down block, he just doesn't have the burst to do that. Even uh, Lillard could finish around the rim whenever he wanted to. And, that part of the game is really concerning. That's the biggest part right now is defense. He's been the the worst defensive player on the Mavericks so far, I think, this year. And that wasn't the case last year. So that has to change or else the season is we're, – we're concerned about the season, if not. Yeah, Nick, I was long a, a Chris Stapps optimist, so I'm, I'm kind of going to be the good cop to Alex's bad cop here. Uh, what what have you seen <laughs> Which is from normally him? the case, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, but, uh, who you talk to. Sometimes I'm the good cop. It, yeah, it, bar- it, it varies. It varies. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more, I'm usually more pessimistic about the Knicks themselves. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm an enemy of the state. Um, what have you seen from him offensively? Because I'm uh, purely box score watching, but it seems like he's really started to turn it up the last couple of games. And I, I guess you can kind of turn that into a conversation about his long-term fit next to Luca, because on paper, this is like why it hurt me so much. I was thinking like, God, that's just the perfect long-term running mate for him. Someone who can protect the rim and allow you to play five out offensively. And as we've seen, I mean, through the first two plus years of his career so far, if you have four shooters around him, I mean, Luca's essentially unstoppable on offense. And as he continues to get better and better and better, um, I mean, that's how the Mavericks had, I, I believe, finished with the best offense in, in league history last season. Um, sure. So now that Chris Stapps is starting to get back, um, what, what have you seen from the team and do you think they can sort of return to that kind of form? Because obviously with the Knicks having their pick, that's a big concern for Knicks fans if they're starting to figure it out. And the Mavericks have, um, again, you would know better than I would, but have been shockingly poor offensively this year. I think below average for most of the season, given the historical heights they hit last season. Yeah. Offensively it's, it's fine, right? Like <laughs> offensively, it's incredible when they get going the beginning of the season, they were, Luca and Porzingis, as far as their two man game, seem kind of off, but it's back now. Like they're they're back and playing. They did the thing where they changed Porzingis's minutes. He he said he likes to play longer stretches, and so they changed up the rotation. And that's what you're seeing over the last couple of games that he is back to shooting. You know what, 36 percent from three now, which is um, which is solid. And he's he's hitting those. He's just not creating a lot of offense for himself, which has kind of got Mavs fans a little frustrated because you're paying this guy max money and he can't create for himself, which is one of the things that you'd hope that he was able to do. But I didn't expect too much from him on that end. I still think he needs somebody, a creator to set up for him and all that kind of stuff. But him and Luca it's offensively. It's amazing. Like it, the common, like the way that they, if they run Porzingis at the five, like you said, Luca is unstoppable. Cause you have Porzingis, a threat to pop 
threat to roll and finish in all those different areas. It's just it with Maxi Kleba back, it opens up so much because he can stretch the floor. He's been there. Maxi's been their best three point shooter. And so he spaces the floor Porzingis can, can roll. He can pop. They can figure it out depending on the, the matchup and depending on who's in front of them. And so that's been awesome. I have no concerns about, about that really. Um, his ability to, you know, if I don't know if you guys watched the TNT game the other night where Shaq and Barkley and then Chris Weber were like all getting on Porzingis about posting up and like, oh, we need him to post up more. You don't want him out on the perimeter all the time. That that kind of stuff. Like, yes, you want him to be able to take advantage of mismatches. So that area of his game is still kind of lacking, especially when he has, a, you know, smaller guards on him. But every once in a while, he'll turn around and pull up a shot over over those guys. So offensively, I'm, I'm really not concerned at all their their Mavs offense is back to like really 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 good this season and so they were also the Mavs were also missing a ton of guys like you have to put this season into full context the Mavs were missing Maxi, Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Richardson for like almost three weeks and so without those guys the core of your defense is pretty much gone and you're playing like Wes Wandu and you know rookie Josh Green and you're playing you know James Johnson and you know just guys that on playoff teams would not usually be in the rotation and so that's where this 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 team has been uh really struggling just missing a whole bunch of rotation guys they're missing four or five starters for i think like a full week (laughs) so you're just you're just playing a shell of the team now their offensive rating is back to almost exactly what it was last year um they're eighth so far in the nba in offensive rating according to cleaning the glass so the offense is fine it's back to normal not concerned about that it's still the defensive side of the ball that really you know, concerns us. All right. Well, we'll uh, take our second break here and then we are going to come back and I am going to uh, take my victory lap on the numbers this year, as far as both teams are concerned. And then maybe we'll hand out some final grades and all that two years after the fact on the Porzingis trade. Although I don't know if it's still not even final yet. It's not final until the final pick is made. So I guess we'll have to see as far as that's concerned, but I have to let everybody know today's episode is brought to you by built bar. And the new and improved Built Bar is maybe the most delicious protein bar that you could ever hope to have in your life. Mm-hmm. They have 18 amazing flavors. Yeah, Nick, you can attest. You've, you've eaten plenty They're of incredible. Them. It's the coconut brownie chunk. It's it's so good. Like I, My wife usually doesn't like the Built Bars, and I had her try this one. I was like, please, just try this one more. And she's like, okay. She's, wow, that one is actually really, really good. So if you haven't liked them in the past, this is the one. This is the coconut winner. brownie chunk. One of their newest flavor that joins a whole bunch of other great flavors. Like you got apple almond crisp, cookies and cream, one of my favorites, coconut almonds, if you want something like an almond joy, uh, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie, all kinds of phenomenal flavors. Every built bar is covered in 100% natural chocolate and they are soft and easy to chew. So you get that candy bar taste without all that candy bar guilt. That's because Built Bars are good for you. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For example, the Coconut Almond Bar, one of my favorites, has 18 grams of protein compared to just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. My other favorite, Cookies and Cream, 17 grams of protein compared to just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a better ratio anywhere for your protein bar than that. So if you're interested in picking some up, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, and we're back to Locked On Knicks. Just a reminder to listen to Locked On NBA on Mondays. Josh Lloyd, host of our wildly popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. I was just on there last week. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get podcasts. So, all right, I, I said I wanted to victory lap on a couple numbers. So uh, just to give like a an overall look at things here, both the Knicks and the Mavs this year, uh, two years post-trade, are 13 and 15 at this particular moment in time, Monday, February 15th, 2021. Uh, the Knicks currently are sitting at the seventh seed in the East. They are third in defensive rating in the entire NBA, which they said it couldn't be done. They said... It would not hold up, but now 28 games in, almost halfway through the season, they are still third in the league in defensive rating at 107.2. And the Knicks are also 14th in net rating at a .3 uh, in the plus, which is, you know, right around average for the league. The Mavs, meanwhile, 10th in the West right now, 21st in net rating at a minus 1.6, and 27th in defensive rating, as you were saying, Nick, very... uh, Concerning numbers on the defense, they're at a 114.6 defensive rating right now. Uh, Porzingis himself is at a minus 4.7 net rating for the season, meaning the team is, and these are all per NBA stats. Uh, So Porzingis, as of right now, makes the team about five points worse when he's out there. So just a little something to chew on. Um, (laughs) And makes my mentions about five percentage points worse every single time he's out there. Yes, I'm sure. Wow, that's, I thought it was going to be higher. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's I, was just going, good. I was just going with the number. It's probably higher than that. <laughs> um, but at any rate, you know, I think, I think at this point, you know, Knicks fans, I feel like are pretty happy with the trade. Um, there's, you know, there's been all kinds of people have written about slash, you know, made graphics about whatever the trade and just sort of the overall ripple effects that it's had and what it's resulted in the Knicks getting. And I think, you know, we talked about the cap space before, and that was the part that the Knicks kind of got clowned for when they didn't get, again, they didn't get uh, Durant and Irving, which, you know, we can see that is now, that's working out pretty good for the Nets across town, uh, which, you know, of course, that move led to them being able to sort of have the leverage to make the Harden trade. Whether that works out, I mean, it had better because they gave up all their picks for like 10 years again. Um, so they, they better hope that that works out for them. But if it you know, the fact is they they put themselves in a position to win a championship. The Knicks did not get that opportunity when Durant, you know, decided he didn't want to come to New York anymore. And, uh, but where they're at now, I think, you know, in large part, so you could argue maybe Julius Randle, some people were like, oh, Julius Randle's part of the trade because he was signed with the cap space, which the Knicks traded for. Let's just assume you take him out of the equation and he was signed with the cap space that they would have had regardless, even if they had Porzingis still. That's fine. You can look at it that way but even so they signed marcus morris with that that lineup that lineup would have been so weird (laughs) oh what marcus morris randall and porzingis randall porzingis yeah that would have been so strange you would have had randall and porzingis could have strangely been pretty good i know you you could have run some pick and rolls with like rand like randall and porzingis right like randall ball handling and porzingis yeah and porzingis like popping or whatever yeah i mean there's definitely there would have been potential for it there's Um, just anytime Anytime the but, other missed a shot, there would have been weird side eyes and just like glares. Yeah, at the yeah, yeah. It would have been it would have been an odd couple. Could have worked. I mean, if Porzingis was still playing the way that he played when he was with New York prior to the ACL and everything, and you added Randall 
at this year's version or something close to it. Yeah, that would have been an interesting pairing. Um, but let's, you know, again, take him out of it. But they signed Marcus Morris with that cap space, which they then traded through a, a number of moves, basically wound up getting the Knicks Emmanuel quickly um, because they traded for the Clippers pick, which then they made those moves on draft night to sort of um, jostle their picks around a little bit, traded up, you know, then traded back down again, got to the 25th pick ultimately, moved the 33rd pick, which is still like TBD, what that's going to be worth. Um, but they also got the 2021 Pistons second rounder out of that Marcus Morris trade. So that looks like it's probably going to be the first pick of the second round this year, uh, unless the Pistons like really turn it around and win a bunch more games and end up at max the third best lot of odds. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then there's the the whole Dennis Smith thing, which you know we already sort of addressed. They ultimately traded Dennis Smith for Derrick Rose, but off the bench right now, Derrick Rose is looking like a pretty good piece. So there's like a lot of little like ripple ramifications that have come out of the Porzingis deal. And there's more even that I haven't like even mentioned because there's, there's more things that the Knicks have done with their cap space and stuff to kind of finagle things around. They traded, I mean, they used part of the cap space that was freed up that they ultimately just used on one year deals to then absorb Ed Davis from Utah and then ship Ed Davis out to Minnesota. Um, in this offseason, which netted them three second-round picks. So you can sort of, in a way, include that. Um, but basically, Nick, I, I'm curious, like, if you were going to... I I've, I guess my feelings are pretty clear <laughs> Did on Did we do this. good? <laughs> yeah, like, I think my, my feelings are pretty clear on this. Like, I feel like the Knicks came out in a pretty good spot based off this trade two years later. Because we're now at the point where the Knicks have... You know, they have Randall, who I, I think at this point... There's nobody could tell me that that Porzingis is a better player than Randall today on, you know, February 15th, 2021. Like Randall is definitely a better player than Porzingis. They got quickly who looks like a fantastic piece, uh, which was acquired with Marcus Morris, who was used as part of the cap space that was freed up. They have still tons of cap flexibility going forward. Uh, I feel pretty good all in all. Like if I was going to grade out the Knicks today with the benefit of, of like hindsight and, you know, knowing where we're at today, I would say I would give them probably like an A or maybe like say an A minus, I guess, because they didn't ultimately sign the superstar guys that they wanted, but they've done a phenomenal job, I think, using what was afforded to them. And of course, now if the Mavericks miss the playoffs this year and that pick somehow jumps into the top four in this all super right, loaded right, draft. We're stopping there. All right, we're stopping. It's an A. There. It's right. an A plus. It's we're an A plus. We're stopping there. We're, we're doing the classic <laughs> New York Knicks or the New York media. Where I'm, I'm, inter- I'm going to interrupt you there. Let me, let me stop you there. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right, so, Nick Isola, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did a we did a poll with the lockdown hosts and to to rank these players because when the Mavericks last played the Hawks, a lot of people, a lot of Mavs fans, were saying John Collins is better than Porzingis. And so I was like, that's kind of an interesting question. It depends on what you, what kind of player you want. And so I put, I put Porzingis, uh, John Collins, and then I threw Julius Randle in there, Christian Wood, and Pascal Siakam, and said rank these players. And Siakam came in first, and then Porzingis was second, and Julius Randle third, like right behind him. They were like neck and neck. There's only a couple points, like a couple votes difference between those two guys. So yeah, as of right now, they're playing like pretty close to the, you know the the same level of production, I think, and. I, you guys would argue Randall is better. 
I don't know how he's playing on defense, but from the time that I watched him with the Lakers, I'm assuming that he's he's decent on defense, but not you know like an he's above actually average. quite good on defense this year. You'd be you'd really be surprised, honestly, watching Randall play, like especially based off the dose that we got last year of him, where he was just bad on defense last year. But this right. year, I mean, he's literally the Knicks' offensive engine, almost to like LeBron light levels. Like he's he's bringing the ball down the floor. He's leading the team in points, rebounds, and assists. If I'm not mistaken, um, I mean he's he is tasked with initiating so much for the team and just like making shots, being their scoring presence day in and day out. But also his defense, particularly one on one, is really fantastic. Like he actually plays really great defense. Like if he gets one on one versus a guy like uh, uh, like Sabonis, for example, who's like Mister Craft, like. Awesome. Draws tons of free throws by baiting people and everything. The the Knicks centers were getting chewed up by him. You know, like Mitchell Robinson and, and Nerlens Noel both had like, I think it was like in the one Indiana game, they had like seven fouls in the first like one and a half quarters between the two of them. Um, and they put Randall on Sabonis to just play man on him. And like Randall, he does a great job in man on man defense against pretty much any four or five in the league right now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's where Randall was always pretty decent on defense. Is that in mm. that you put him in space and he can just he can stick with most people. And so you're uh, like you're feeling pretty good about that. It was a team stuff, and, and it appears that Thibodeau has had a pretty good scheme and pretty good defensive game plan because the Knicks have been so good. And I don't know if they have like a lot of standout. At least from from my outside perspective, they don't have a lot of standout defenders. But they're yeah, it's, it's the, Mitchell Robinson essentially, and then basically else yeah. is like replacement level or maybe yeah. some, some guys have been solved but yeah and so then you, you look at this team you're like oh man there's how are they this good of a defensive team so but go back to the point is Porzingis and, and Randall yeah they're giving you about the same production and so you're you're now looking at what the Knicks did and from an outside perspective what have they done to prove that they are out of lol Knicks right <laughs> and they've made they've definitely made some some progress some of their picks I still am Questionable about the Obi Tobin pick. I don't. I'm, I think you guys are split on that as well. Um, and uh, where, uh, are, maybe maybe Alex is like a little. I, I'm I'm pretty certain that I'm not happy about it. Is yeah, Alex, I I don't know. I mean, I'm still jury's out. But can I he be an all star ever? I don't know if he he'll ever be an all star. Yeah, that, yeah, so that yeah. sounds so. Like the jury's still out on that. I still don't know if the Knicks have a guy that. Now, I'm not going to say like a Luca, but a guy to center your future around. Is R.J. Barrett that guy? It might be Emmanuel Emmanuel Quickly is probably the best Emmanuel Quickly seems like he's the new, like, he's kind of like the Jeremy Lin. Like, he's having a moment right now. (laughs) No, I think it's well well beyond that with Quickly, honestly. Well, well, the the hype is not there. But we'll see if if, if he continues to be, you know, this solid going forward. And so I'm not sure that they've moved on to the fact, to the, the level of, Oh man, they really moved on, and they're they're now like a a solid playoff team. I'm confident that they're going to make the playoffs, and then I think they can take another step and go forward. I'm not I'm not sure if they're if they're there yet. I think they're a step so, before that. They're kind of, but they're on. I think for the first time in 20 years, you can say they're on a a good and unlike 2012 13 sustainable trajectory. So I, I think that's where where most Knicks fans are taking a lot of solace. Um, Nick, as we wrap up, to throw it back on you, I feel like this is a good this is a good concluding question to this whole giant conversation. Um, if I were to give you the option of getting a mulligan on 
I, I won't even say the. I mean, you, you could you could take this however you want. Either the trade or the contract for Kristaps Porzingis. Would you take it? And then I'll give you that same question for the Mavericks front office. Would they take it if they could reallocate that money in a different way? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that the trade, I think I would do every time. I think it's still worth worth the risk, even the draft picks. Because if you look and you say, okay, what would they do with the draft picks instead? Could they have gotten a Drew Holiday? Could they have gotten a Bradley Beal? Like Bradley Beal, that one, that's the one that piques your interest. Could they have done a, like a three, uh, you know, a three pick plus Dennis, whatever. And you're like, ah, oh, they probably still don't even get to the level that, <laughs> that the Wizards want for, for a Bradley Beal. And so I still think you make that trade. I still think you, you take the risk of Porzingis. The contract is the one where I'm, I'm questionable. Even at the time, we were wondering, like, did they put any injury clauses in this or anything? I'm not sure that they did. Um, I'm not sure that we've heard anything like that. And it, it wasn't like the Embiid contract where Embiid contract comes out and immediately they're like, well, it has all these stipulations. He has to hit this number of things. And I'm not sure that Porzingis is like that because we didn't hear anything about it. And so that's the one where I'm kind of, more concerned, but I still think you, you take it. If you're going to take a risk to, to trade for a guy like that, you sign him and maybe you try to leverage like a, him out on contract year and try to get him like locked in for a contract year and see if he can, you know, play better. And you keep pushing the contract. year, like putting somebody on a franchise tag, right? Like they're just going to keep playing better. So they get to that next contract. <laughs> but if you're playing mind games like that, then I think you've lost. So I think it was worth the risk still. It, the jury's still out on how well this is going to pan out. Like we haven't seen a ton of Porzingis and Luca so far because he missed some of that time. Um, and so, yeah, I'd still do it. And, do you, uh, do you we'll, think we'll with the Mavs front office still do it? Probably, because then it goes back to what would you do instead? If they didn't do the Porzingis trade, then it's Luca, Dennis, like Harrison Barnes, and you know maybe a couple like a couple of their like a couple of those draft picks. And so I think they made the right choice into moving on. They took the risk for a guy that was the best fit in the league under the age of 25 at the time. And so I I don't know if you do better than that. And and to your point, Hardaway has worked out surprised. Like he's, he's a pretty integral part of that team. If the Mavs come back and if they're in the playoffs, he's probably a six man of the year candidate at this point. All right. And then I guess, Alex, I don't know about you. Very last thing for me is like, where do you think, do you, do you think Dallas makes the playoffs? Where do you think they finish? Because I think that's ultimately the, as far as Knicks fans go, that's, that is our biggest concern with your team. You, you know what, Gavin, I want to throw your own question back at you before we get that answer from Nick, because I want to, I think oh, everybody would know where good. I, this is good. I think, every, I think everybody would know where I stand. Like I would do this trade over again too. Cause I, I really like how it's worked out for the Knicks thus far. Um, but w- like, I think people still probably hold your Porzingis trade reaction pot against you <laughs> to this day. <laughs> so where do you stand as far as would you take the mulligan and not do this trade? Or would you would you leave it? And then what do you think? I, it's tough for us to, to take the front office question because it was a different front office that yeah. executed the trade. But just personally, would you still do the trade? I, I, lo- I love that you're throwing that in. Um, I would... I would I would still do the trade. And I, I, I still I stand by my take at the time. I think in the moment, um, I think I, I underestimated his injury history. That that's the one part of it that I probably didn't pay enough heed to. Um, but in my mind, the Knicks just weren't getting enough back. And I I, I just thought Dennis Smith Jr. as a centerpiece for Chris Depp's Porzingis, even with the cap relief, even with the picks, I was like, that's just not good enough. And I think I think that take is actually aged pretty well. Yeah, I feel I feel good about that. Um, what I feel worse about is that like underestimating how valuable 
that cap space would be because the Knicks, I mean, clearly they weaponized it in a really smart way. They used it to get Marcus Morris from the Spurs. Everyone knows Morris played well for the Knicks for the year. Just nominally, that's the pick that turned into Emmanuel quickly. Um, so if, if, if you want to follow that chain and, and hold that logic, then yeah, it was a great, it was a great move for the Knicks. Um, ultimately though, I, I will stand by the idea that I'm not sure it was the perfect deal. I think it worked out well, and you could argue that's because the Knicks were smart or because they got lucky. Um, but I think the idea of trading Chris Stapps, um, now I think was I think was a good idea because I don't think it would have been smart to give him that kind of contract. And clearly, he was he was not going to be happy in, in New York from this point going forward. Um, my part of my argument at the time was always the retrospective. I'm like, all right, but like clearly now it's at a very bad place. What could the Knicks have done in the months and years preceding the trade to ensure that it never got to that point? I still have a lot of questions about that, and I still think an immense amount of mistakes were made there. And I think even if people who are happy that Chris Stapps is no longer on the team would agree that, like, yeah, they, they did not handle that exceptionally well, e- even if there was a lot of fault um, on Chris Stapps' end, and particularly with his brother and like whatever kind of power play they were making. Uh, to answer your question, Alex, to give you the answer that I, I know you want, and I know everyone listening wants, yeah, I I, I think it was it was ultimately uh, the right move to move on from him. Well, to, to yeah. go to, like, to go to, <laughs> to to go to Gavin's defense, like that you were like that trade was trusting the Knicks front office at the time with a lot, right? The, all that cap space and the draft picks, like that's putting you basically traded you know, Porzingis for assets that you would then trust to that front office. And I don't know if at the time you were like super excited about what that front office was going to do with, with those picks. And that yeah, they, were, they were buying lottery tickets and, and, right. they, but like, but like weighted lottery tickets by how smart you are. And with two people who didn't seem very smart at the time. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that I would have been frustrated at the time too, because you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to trust this front office, but the front office now, Leon Rose and them, like, seems like they've been doing a good job with everything. Yeah, they particularly from a cap management perspective, they've been pretty, and just like a general asset management perspective, they've been pretty brilliant. I mean, we we talked about it last year, but you know, or you know, I, I guess only a couple months ago uh, during the draft, but they managed to turn picks twenty seven and thirty eight into yeah. picks twenty five and thirty three. I mean, just that's straight uh, out. By, that's, that's straight out of the Jimmy Johnson like draft board where he put a value number next to every single draft pick. I was like, Hmm, if we can make these into this, then all of a sudden we're starting to do something like that's now you're talking. Yeah, it was exactly, exactly what they did. So there's been a lot of, a lot of good moves. Plus like the, you know, nabbing quickly when even made us raise our eyebrows and say, okay, I mean, I thought they probably could have gotten him in the second round. (laughs) He seems good, but not, is he that good? I was, I was in on quickly. I want to, I want to quickly for the Mavs too. I thought that he was going to be good. And I'm feeling good about that. I thought he was going to be a second round guy though. So, you know, we were, we we probably underestimated him clearly because he's now probably a top five rookie of the year candidate. Yeah. Mavs had the 31st pick. They had the Warriors pick and I was, I was hoping that they would pick him there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, yeah, I think. Um, Wait, very, unless... very, very quickly, Nick. Do you think the Mavs yeah. are going to make the playoffs? Yes. Come on, guys. Come on. It's Luka Doncic. He's still one of the top five, top ten players in the NBA. They were missing guys for so long. They're going to get back. They're, they're, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. Like who else in the who else in the West are you even worried about? We went through and we started looking through the other day about, you know, who in the West really concerns you, and the teams above them: Memphis, Golden State, Denver, the Spurs, the Blazers, the Suns. Like. I don't, I'm not worried too much about any of those teams. I think the Mavs can scoot past all of them. 
Well, my sons, mm. my sons, that's, that's my second team, Nick. I'm not, I'm not going to take any sun slander. Suns but, have been really good. The uh, Suns destroyed the Mavericks twice, just, just literally on by the hand of Chris Paul. He's been absolutely he's, incredible. He's great. All right, well, we'll end on that happy note. Thank you for saying that. It makes me feel a lot better. Uh, Nick, before we send you off, can you tell people uh, where they can find you on social media? You're the social media king of the Locked On Network. I, I'm, I'm impressed by like the sheer volume you put out on the main page and, and also, also the quality of everything. You, you asked some very engaging questions that I'm always inclined to participate in on the Locked On Knicks account. But can you let people know where they can find you and maybe a promotion for the whole network? Yeah, the butt kissing definitely will get your, your account promoted more. Beautiful. Show Beautiful. Promoted that, that was my goal. <laughs> yeah, so you can follow me at Nick Van Exit. Uh, you can follow Locked On Mavs if you want more coherent Mavs takes than I'm giving today. And you can also follow at Locked On NBA Pods on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to find all kinds of stuff about all the shows, great shows across the network, including this one. There's a lot of good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for coming on. This has been Locked On Knicks. We will be back tomorrow with another episode to uh, break down the Knicks game tonight. So until then, peace out. We will talk to you all soon.